Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. In 2015, Portland created a groundbreaking policy. It gave preference for affordable housing and housing loans to people or families who had been displaced from the city's historically black neighborhoods. A report in 2018 found that just four households had been able to purchase homes through the program, so the city pivoted and contracted with a nonprofit called the Portland Housing Center. This week, the nonprofit celebrated a milestone. Over the course of five years, 116 homes have been successfully purchased through the program. Dana Shepard is the executive director of the Portland Housing Center. Leslie Goodlow is the equity and business operations manager for the Portland Housing Bureau. They both join me now. It's great to have both of you on Think Out Loud. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Well, I can't speak for Dana. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I, I'm like, happy to be I here like your assumption that, that both of you are happy <laughs> to be here. Le- Leslie, I want to start with you. Can you just remind us, it's been a little while since you and I talked about this. Can you remind us how the preference policy works? I mean, who who gets priority? Who goes to the top of the list? Sure. Uh, so the preference policy is based on geography and you get um, points based on where you've lived and where your parent, grandparent or guardian lived in in Portland. And so you um, can get up to six points for yourself. And I mean, up to three points for yourself and up to three points for your parent, grandparent or guardian or ancestor um, for a total of six points. So you could also get a priority if your family had property taken by eminent domain. So those folks go to the top of the list. So it's a point system. Eminent domain is at the top. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Anybody can apply. It, you Anybody can apply to get onto the list because this is a waiting list for opportunities as they arise. We have a rental uh, waiting list and we have a homeownership waiting list, which we are hoping to, we're planning to open uh, within the next three or four weeks, our homeownership uh, list, which we haven't opened since 2019. I want to hear more about that because that's that is exciting news for a lot of people. But just just to rem- remind us, the program, as I noted in my intro, it got some pushback in early years for being slow to get people into home ownership. You've now, uh, I think, exceeded some goals. What were the challenges early on? So I think, and Dana will be able to speak to this because that's what she does, and she was actually working for the Housing Bureau when we were going through this, um, that there was an underestimation of the amount of time it will take someone to become ready to get a mortgage. We've had a lot of people that never even considered that they could be a homeowner, that, you know, their first generation homeowners in their, you know, in their families. And so um, it, it just, it takes more time than we initially thought. It was going to take. And um, so I'll let Dana jump in because, again, that's her that's her bailiwick and that's her expertise. Well, Dana, sure. can, can you give us a sense for the work that that you and the, and the team at, at the Portland Housing Center, the work that you do? 
Um, with you know, with somebody who'd be fall into that category that Leslie just mentioned, who would be a first generation homeowner in their family, what are the issues you deal with, and what kind of help do you provide? I would say the preference policy by design is to help and assist folks that have been marginalized. Therefore, when people actually come to Portland Housing Center or any of the organizations for counseling and education, sometimes they don't even picture themselves as homeowners. A lot of times they've never even heard anything about the banks. There's a lot of times where they they likely have, but have bad experiences as well and don't want to re-enter or traumatize themselves again. So it is our responsibility as a HUD-approved counseling agency and an agency that cares very deeply about the community to support people wherever they are for whatever it is that they need, especially when it comes to finances and budgeting. What we're trying to do is just uh, provide some financial literacy for folks. We're trying to make sure that people have a solid team in order to execute uh, the really regulatory space of homeownership. So that's what we are trying to do. That's what we're here for. What does this look like through a a culturally specific lens? Sure. Portland Housing Center, I can say, provides a culturally specific course called Getting Your House in Order. It is exclusively for Black and African-American households taught by folks um, that are Black or African-American. We have a couple of different uh, culturally specific uh, courses that are available. They're actually consider gold standard and adopted nationally. But what it means is that different ethnicities, different racial groups look at, see money, have different experiences with money and financial institutions. So that safe space is very much necessary. Hmm. Leslie, this policy is and has always been race neutral, you know, officially race neutral. That's be- because of, of longstanding laws. You, you cannot take race into account when you're making decisions like this at the city level about housing. But even so, I'm wondering if there was fear after the Supreme Court's recent ruling striking down affirmative action in college admissions that that, that would somehow increase scrutiny on this program. Yeah, so we had, when the when that happened, there were, we had lots of meetings. We spent a, a great deal of time in meetings with city attorneys, with fair housing attorneys, uh, talking about programming at the city and how we can, you know, continue to um, fulfill the city's um, core value of diversity and inclusion and equity. And so the model that they gave was the preference policy that city attorneys were talking to other bureaus, other departments, other divisions within the city saying, this this is the model because it is race neutral. That's fascinating. So, so, I mean, in other words, you had had already arrived at a solution that follows the the letter of the law and even, you know, um, that, that, that is absolutely legal under the Supreme Court's recent ruling, but still actually accomplishes something to redress racial inequities that, that go back decades. Yes, because we based it on a geography and we use census data to, to determine which areas had had the most significant uh, gentrification and displacement. We looked from 1970 to 2010 
and you can see, you know, the changing demographics of um, the interstate corridor and inner Northeast Portland uh, from, you know, primarily or majority black uh, neighborhoods to very few black and brown people, you know, or people of any color uh, being moved out of, of Northeast Portland because it was the only place that poor people could live. So you see, you know, this huge migration of folks out of Northeast Portland. So we knew by you, the geography that we chose that we were going to capture the population that we were really trying to support, hmm. whether they were black, whether they were Hispanic, whether they were Asian, whether they were, you know, white. We wanted to ensure that people that had generational ties to Northeast Portland had the opportunity to move back if that's what they wanted. I just want to remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we are getting an update right now on the city of Portland's housing preference policy. It helps people who are displaced by so-called urban renewal projects in inner north and northeast Portland in the 1950s and 60s and 70s move back into the area, either through home ownership or through affordable rentals. Dana Shepard, we were talking earlier about the work that that you do at the Portland Housing Center to get people into homes, to help them buy homes. What about helping them to to stay in those homes, to 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 make home ownership work in a lasting way? I mean, is that is that part of your job? It is part of our job. We've recently launched a program called the Post Purchase Program that particularly is so that we can continue to provide support for folks just entering into homeownership. So what that means is that we are referring um, households over to a partner organization, African American Alliance for Homeownership, for wills and estate planning. We also have a partnership with a couple of other local nonprofit agencies for home repairs. Uh, We will be tapping into the city's program for home repair because the city has, the Housing Bureau has the home retention program program as well. So that absolutely is what we're trying to do. However, I can say even before this post-purchase program, it was one of the things discussed from the North Northeast Oversight Committee, just making sure that that continued support was available to folks even after homeownership. Uh, but we are we have launched that program just uh, in this year. Hmm. Leslie Goodlow, we've been focusing on homeownership so far, but But as I mentioned briefly, your program also focuses on rentals, on affordable rentals. And the numbers there, they seem really daunting. According to a recent report, in August, there were 36 vacancies. Almost 400 people applied for them. And out of those 400 people for the 36 spots, only one person was approved. I should say that 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 month stands out among the most recent three months in that report. It was the worst. But but none of the of the months seemed particularly good in terms of of either the number of approvals or or the the number of spots compared to the number of people who wanted them. Can you give us a, a big picture sense of of what the rental program looks like to you right now? So there's a couple of factors that go into whether um, you know the number of people that get into units. Um, the first thing is what size unit are they waiting for? So if um, those 36 units that were available were studios and one bedrooms, which I don't know, I don't have that data on the top of my head. And the people, the 400 people that they called were 
looking for larger units, which a lot of folks are that are on our list are looking for two or three bedroom units, then they would have passed on the unit. The another uh, factor for particularly for black and African-American folks is just the low incomes that we are seeing across the population. Um, the average income for um, black and African-American folks, while it has increased since 2017, it's still significantly lower than the average white household. So uh, the average black family is making about $48,000 a year. The average white family is making uh, over $70,000 a year. So when you, and then when you look at the rent at 60%, we have folks that don't qualify at a 60% rent, but they make too much money for a 30% rent. So they're stuck in the middle between 30 and 60. And uh, then, so they won't qualify for either unit. And so that's one of the things that the oversight committee is going to be talking with city council about this year is how do we make um, these units more accessible? Uh, we the, the policy in the city right now is 30 or 60 percent units. We don't do an averaging. We don't do 40 percent or 50 percent units. And that's you know, that's a city policy, but it is impacting the ability of the targeted population of uh, folks that have been displaced to be able to move in, move back into the, to, to the neighborhood and into these units. So those are the two biggest factors that I've seen is one, what size units are available and two, the, the incomes of people that are on the list are, um, don't meet the, the criteria for a 30% or a 60% unit. And I should point out that this isn't, according to your, one of your recent reports, this isn't just about people who are trying to get into apartments. It's it's a serious issue for people who are in them right now. As of October, 39% of residents in one apartment building, the Charlotte B. Rutherford, had unpaid rent. Um, that was in, in a recent report. Yes. Dana Shepard, to, to just look at the big picture here. If I'm not mistaken, you grew up in Portland. I'm curious what it's been like for you to work on this program in particular, what it's meant to you. It means everything. I'm completely indebted to my community. And I've seen, I have family homes that have gone up for sale that we can never get back. And when I look back at how much they were sold for and what they're being used for now, it's disheartening. It's disheartening um, when I think about why we sold or what we thought was good reason at the time and why we sold. Um, it's um, it's really good to see the, the changes in the neighborhood. It's disheartening to not be able to feel that while myself, my family, my friends, and my community were in the neighborhood. So I actually was displaced for about 18 years uh, east uh, Portland to only return about 10 years ago. Uh, so it's been, you know, it, it's hard to settle yourself back in sometimes, but the neighborhood has still been the neighborhood because we still will travel back to where our roots are. So it is, it is very much bittersweet. 
However, uh, and it's been hard to see how and why it came to this. However, I'm indebted to my community and very, very much uh, want to continue being a part of the work, which is why eight years I was at the Portland Housing Bureau uh, managing the home ownership and home retention programs and responsible for the home ownership goals of the strategy to now coming to Portland Housing Center to lead this organization to continue doing this work with these families. Hmm. Leslie, the last time, as you noted, that you accepted applications for new homes through this policy was 2019. When might you do it again and how many units might be available and and uh, and, and what can we expect? So we have been meeting with um, our development partners on uh, three uh, home ownership projects that we are funding out of um, both interstate tax increment financing and metro uh, some of the Metro bond funds. Um, and uh, we believe we're going to be able to open the uh, home ownership list uh, about mid-March. That's our goal. It'll be open for about four weeks for people to be able to apply. Um, they We're going to have some information sessions. Uh, those are not scheduled yet where people can come and hear about the projects um, that are being built, as well as we do have uh, down payment assistance available. And um, our oversight committee on uh, Tuesday um, approved uh, increasing uh, the down payment um, assistance per, uh, per person or per home purchaser to up to $150,000. Which is uh, to help people be able to buy in interstate because the prices are so have grown so significantly since we started this project in 2015. The average home sales price in interstate has grown by almost three hundred thousand dollars, and so um, that money can only be spent in interstate. And when you're looking at home prices going from three hundred thousand to uh, almost 600000 and you make 80% of AMI, um, it's very tough to get a mortgage that you can afford. And so um, those, uh, those loans are no interest, no payments. 10% um, has to go to some kind of home improvement, which that part is a grant, and they are forgivable. So after 15 years, it's half. Uh, it's fifty percent uh, forgiven, and then three percent per year after that. So we're very excited to open the list uh, to to get more people working with Portland Housing Center, getting them prepared for these three opportunities. Kerry Boulevard will have uh, fifty homes on it. That's gonna, we're going to be building a community on that property that we purchased from the. Water Bureau, um, we have the Abbey site in conjunction with the Strong Property, uh, CDP and SEI will be the uh, the community partners building there and that will have six to eight units. And then um, as Dana was talking about last night, the Williams and Russell site will have 20 uh, townhomes that will be available for folks to purchase um, two and three bedrooms. So all of these uh, houses that we're building 
will be family size. So two or three bedrooms. The Cary Boulevard site will also have some four bedroom units. So we're really trying to build for families, um, ADA. So we have two, um, at least two units on the Cary site will be single floor. So wheelchair accessible, uh, multi-generational uh, units for purchase. So we've got, we're, we have, we're probably looking at between 90 and 100 opportunities between now and uh, the end of 2028. Leslie Goodlow, thanks very much for joining us. You're very welcome. Leslie Goodlow and Dana Shepard were our guests. Leslie Goodlow is the Equity and Business Operations Manager for the Portland Housing Bureau. Dana Shepard, Executive Director of the Portland Housing Center.